0: Welcome to the Vertical Church Podcast. Today we are continuing our series, Unstuck. Now here's Pastor Brian Owens with this week's message. Over the last several weeks we've been doing a series called Unstuck. And Pastor Josh is taking us expertly through the book of 2 Kings. Now I've never done an exegetical study of 2 Kings. And I've got to say, I've never heard the prophet Elisha spoken about the way he was spoken about. In this series. But as I have read and followed and done all these things as Josh has let us do it, I've gotten to know good old Eli. And he's quite a fellow. He's quite a fellow. Today we're going to talk about opening our eyes. Opening our eyes to see what's all around us. My scripture text today is from 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 15 through 17. Early in the morning, a servant of the holy man, Elisha, got up and went out. Surprise, horses and chariots surrounding the city. The young man explained, Oh, master, what shall we do? You see, these people were after Elisha. They were coming to kidnap him. Elisha said, Hey, don't worry about it. There are more on our side than on their side. I'm sure they got a throne. Then Elisha prayed, Oh God, open his eyes and let him see. Then the eyes of the young man were opened and he saw a wonder, a whole mountainside full of horses and chariots of fire surrounding Elisha. Can you imagine seeing that? Let's pray. Lord, open our eyes today. We recognize what you're doing. We understand the spiritual battle that's going on this morning, and we're not going to be deterred. and better yet, we are not going to be defeated. We are going to press through and hear the word of the Lord, because what we're talking about today will change us all. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome to week four of Unstuffed. Today, we are talking about opening our eyes. Now, I was going to say you can follow along on the screen, but we've had some technical difficulties. Poor Mike, back there. Our equipment has failed us this morning. But if you do have your handy-dandy phone, which I happen to have, or your tablet, you can click on the Uversion app and follow along. Just go to the live section of the Uversion app. Our title, search for the word vertical, that's your keyword. Our title today is Open Your Eyes. We're going to talk about relationships, and what I know and understand is that that word carries so much weight and baggage that it's almost hard to weed through it all, especially to try to do it in one day. But we're going to try it, and we're going to see what the Lord has to say to us. What I want to do is to go back through the last several weeks that we've been talking about being unstuck and get a little bit, a little bit of a fresh perspective. Kind of add to what Pastor Josh has already said. Last week, we talked about um, 2 Kings chapter 5. Now, this was the interaction between Naaman, who was the captain of the guard for one of the neighboring countries of Israel. Naaman's interaction with Elisha. Naaman had leprosy, and he was sent by his king to Israel to be healed. Now, in his kingdom, they had their own god, but for some reason, this false god... Couldn't heal it. I wonder why. Um, and so that king sent Naaman to, to the kingdom of Israel to be healed. When the king of Israel heard about this, he was really upset. And Elisha said, man, why are you sweating it? Just send him to me. And he will see the power of God. It was Elisha's relationship with the king of Israel that opened the door for Naaman to be healed. You following me? We're starting a pattern here. It was Elisha's relationship ...with the king of Israel that opened the door for Naaman to be healed. And for him to encounter the power of the Holy Spirit... ...leaving him changed in a way that was evident to everyone. That relationship also opened the door for Naaman to go back to his home country... ...and tell everybody else the good news about the one true God. For Naaman to develop a relationship with the one true God... And introduce other people to him. Again, see the pattern? Now, Naaman's interaction with Elisha was not cordial. Naaman was actually frustrated with Elisha when he first came into Israel. Because Elisha didn't even come out to meet him. Now, here's the captain of the army of a country. I mean, imagine the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff coming here. And I'm not even going to talk to him. I'm going to send one of my guys out to... Tell him to go take a bath. That's what he did. He told the messenger, not Elisha, Elisha's messenger, went to Naaman and said, go bathe in the river Jordan seven times. And Naaman's like, are you kidding me? I got water back in my country. I can take a bath back there and the water's even cleaner, right? So he complained, but he finally did it. He was obedient, he bathed, and he was healed. Have you ever had any of those kinds of relationships? I'm talking about a relationship that may seem insignificant, perhaps even a relationship built on conflict, but it turns out to be something much bigger. As I was was thinking about this message, Kelly and I have been talking about this all week, and I started thinking about how I got to be right here on this stage today and the relationships that came along to get me here. And I traced it all the way back to an encounter with my best friend back in 1998. His name is Skip Jenkins. And I had been sick for a long time. And he was at my house. And he's like, dude, you are sick because you are not being obedient to the word of the Lord. I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm sick because I'm sick. I got mono. I have chronic mono. I've been in bed for five months. He's like... Yeah, you're going to bed for five months because you haven't heard what the trying to tell you yet, you stubborn stubborn. It was that relationship that started me on the path that led me here. There's all kinds of relationships. That relationship was very significant. There were other relationships that came and went during that 10-year period that weren't but every single one of them led me here. And I am fulfilling the call on my life to preach the good news of Jesus Christ because of that relationship putting me on the right track. Again, there's patterns. You see, these are relationships that reach other people. These are relationships that God puts in your life. Some of them significant. Some of them passing. Some of them lifetime. Some of them very temporary. But these are the relationships that that cause you to do what God has told you to do and to reach other people. You see, there are people who know Jesus today because of that conversation 10 years ago. Not because of me or anything that I've done, but because Skip Jenkins was obedient and speaking to me kind of meanly. He was kind of mean. I was a little bitter. Oh, God, he was right. And I've had the privilege of, of leading other people into a relationship with Jesus Christ, because He loved me enough to speak a hard word of truth to me. In week one, we talked about 2 Kings chapter three. Now, this was um, this was about. I don't want to say it the wrong way. This was about war. This is about war. In Scripture, particularly the Old Testament, the theme of land is prominent. If you read through the Old Testament, you're going to talk about, you're going to hear spoken about all the time, God's going to give you this land. You're going to take this land. You're going to conquer this land. We don't really understand this really well today because... You know, we can put a lot of people on a very small plot of land. We can build buildings way high and put a lot of people on a, on a small plot, plot of land. But back in that day, that wasn't the case. God chose Abraham, most of you heard the story of Abraham, and promised to turn his descendants into a great nation. He then promised Abraham land, a place on the earth, for this nation to grow and thrive and prosper. In all these promises, God wasn't merely promising Israel physical space. He was promising them a place in this world. It's one thing to know there's a space for you. This is one of those tweet moments. It's one thing to know there's a space for you. It's another thing to know there's a place for you. When we gather at the body of Christ, we are not merely congregating on a piece of land or a certain space. This isn't our space. We rent this. We choose to come together here for two more weeks. We're coming together in a way that offers place to each of us. If the point were simply to gather in a space, then we would each be able to measure our discipleship by tracking our church attendance. But again, when we assemble, we are not just gathering together, but we are being put together in relationship. In Hebrews, we are instructed to make sure that we don't forsake this practice of getting together. When we neglect this biblical instruction to gather together, we're not just being disobedient. We are hurting ourselves and others. You see, we live in an individualistic and relativistic culture. See, I can use big words too. Basically, we live in a culture where it's me and what I need and what I want right now. And it's all relative. Truth is relative to what I want. In that kind of culture, it's going to sound kind of harsh to take that commandment to gather together so seriously. But when we do not gather, we're not satisfying a rule. We gather, as Hebrew says, we gather to stir up love and good works. If I don't gather together with you, my church, I soon find a deficit of love. I miss you. I miss hanging out with you. But I also find a deficit of works in my life. loss for me personally, but it's not just a loss for me. It's also a loss for the rest of the body. Because you see, when I don't assemble myself with you, when I don't allow myself to be put together with you, with our body, with this church... You are deprived from what God has called me to do. And the body suffers. Guess what? It's not just me. It's you too. I've said it before. I'll say it again. You know, I'll say it. I've said it before and I'll say it again. But on your seatbelt, here you go. You need the body and the body needs you. You have a place. Here. And the body cannot fully function without you. It's your responsibility, it's my responsibility, it's our individual responsibilities to do whatever we have to do to find our place. Drive however far you need to drive to get here. And we have people that drive from Windsor. We have people that drive from past Windsor. That's a long way to come to church. But this is their place. We've had people that have actually moved, actually physically moved their families So they can be closer to our body. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. But if this is your place, it's important that you're here. So we're going to do whatever we need to do to become a vital member of the body of Christ. And we're going to do it today. Second Kings. He saw a battle coming. He knew that a battle was coming. And he knew that he needed help. So what's the first thing he did? He gathered his posses. He got the king of Judah and the king of Edom and he said, Look, you know, we got a war coming. I need your help. As they got ready for battle, they soon ran out of water. Their, their men, their, their cows. They soon realized they were outnumbered, outmaneuvered, and out of resources. And so they decided they would seek God. When they were already in trouble, they decided they were going to seek God. It was relationship that brought them together, but the most important relationship of all was kind of left out of the the equation until they were already really in trouble. Now, this is really important, so remember this. This was Israel's war. This had nothing to do with Edom. This had nothing to do with Judah. This was Israel's war. But because of the relationship that these three kings had together, Edom and Judah decided to stand side by side with their brother Israel. To fight. And so together, they went after Elisha. And when they came to Elisha, Elisha was like, Look, I don't even like you guys. I don't even like you. The only one that I could live with is Jehoshaphat, who's the king of Judah. If it weren't for him, I wouldn't even be talking to you. See the pattern? Elisha had a relationship with Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah. And because of that relationship, it opened the door for the word of God to be spoken to these three great nations. So what did Elisha do? After we chewed him out a little bit, remember Elisha's an interesting guy, he called for a harpist and told them to dig ditches. Now alone, the king of Israel could never dig enough ditches to fill that valley with holes so that the water could flow. God gives us community for a purpose, to help us dig ditches when it's time to dig ditches. We are not created to do it or to be alone. After changing the background music, the harpist, you know, music going on in the background. The word of the Lord, Elisha said, go dig some ditches. And they all dug together. What was their reward? What happened then? Well, together they saw the work of the Lord. They all dug ditches. They all were changed because they chose to obey in relationship to dig ditches together. And they all saw the work of the Lord. God opened their eyes to the power of his promise to take care of them and deliver them. So what am I talking about here? Where do we find relationships built for battle? Right here. That's what the church is for. We are here to be trained for battle. We are to worship together. We're to play together. I like to play. We're to serve together. But most importantly, we are to fight together. This is not about a building. You know, right now we're in the auditorium of Preston Middle School. In two weeks we're going to be in the auditorium of B. Williams Primary School. Who knows where we are in here? The church is not four walls. The church is you. And me. When you look in scripture, there is no mention of buildings when they're talking about the church in the New Testament. The church always and only refers to the body. The people who are going about their day-to-day lives living together and spreading the fame of Jesus Christ. That is the church. That is who we are. And that is what we're supposed to do. What's really good about this, these relationships that are built for battle, they set us up for the final and most important type of relationship from my point of view. These are relationships that make a difference. In week two, Pastor Josh talked us through 2 Kings chapter 4. This was about the widow who needed jars. Y'all remember all that. The poor widow was at her wits' end, she didn't know what to do. She used her relationship, and it was kind of a Sideways relationship because she had a relationship With her husband who had died But he had a relationship with Elisha Who was the head prophet Well her husband was a prophet and so they knew each other And so she needed help She used that relationship To go to Elisha for help Again, there's a pattern Elisha told her to go get some jars Well she couldn't gather all the jars by herself So she used her relationship With her sons and they helped her, and they went throughout the community gathering jars. They went to the neighbors and asked for help. When they, their sons managed the jars, and they were all safe. She had to rely on her sons to get the jars, There's, her sons had to rely on the neighbors to provide them with jars. But by being obedient in relationship, they were all safe. It would have been fine for Elijah to just say go to some jars And she grabs the jars in her house And she fills three jars and that's all she's got And that's all she's going to ever have But she went door to door And she gathered jars Her sons did Sometimes in our relationships We are the ones Asking for jars We're the ones asking for help Other times We are the ones giving the jars away We are the ones coming to the aid of our brothers and sisters in Christ who are in a time of need. But what we can't do is fall victim to our culture that says it's all about me. It's all about my needs being met. It's all about my wants being met. You know, I don't have a 50-inch TV. I have a 50-inch TV, but I really want a 75-inch TV. I really want that fear in my house. That's what our consumeristic culture teaches us. It's about what we can get. And what's good for us and How we're going to get the glory and attention for it You know, I saw Anybody here a fan of Garth Brooks? Anybody hear the story this week about Him giving money to a hospital and he went That really made me sad It really made me sad You see, initially he gave money to this hospital And said I'm giving you this money. They're going to use it to help people who are in need. Well, he thought that they were agreeing to name a facility after his mother who had died of cancer several years earlier. Well, there was some sort of misunderstanding, and that's not what happened. And they felt like the money was given unconditionally. And so he sued them to get the money back. I don't understand that. I thought the purpose was to help people who had cancer. Not to get someone's name on the hill, but you see, that's the culture that we live in. It's not about helping people, it's about what we can get in bright lights. Sometimes you have to be willing to give the jar to see others blessed. Sometimes it's your responsibility to give that jar to someone else, and that is your blessing. Your blessing is watching someone who is in need have their needs met. That is our responsibility. After all, isn't that what Jesus did for us? That's a pretty big jar he gave. That's a pretty big jar he gave, and a pretty big amount of oil that flowed for a future. So not only were her eyes opened to going to her neighbors and friends in her community with whom she had a relationship for help, God opened the eyes of this family community. That working together, they can see great things. God provided the oil, but they provided the jars. together. He also talked about, Pastor Josh also talked about the rich, the rich woman, who seemed to have everything except a son. That's all she didn't have. And she didn't even ask for that. She didn't go to Elijah and say, yeah, I've, you know, I've got all this money, I can give you whatever you want. I really want a son, will you give me a son? She and her husband became a refuge and a place of rest for Elijah. They built a house. They built a a room on their house just for him to stay in because he came through often. And he needed a place to stay. And they made him his own room. I didn't see any of y'all offered to build me a room in your house. As a result, God was asking Elisha what be done to bless this family? And he found out that she didn't have a son, and she wanted a son. And Elisha said, okay, by this time next year, you're going to have a son. And she's like, Lord, don't. Don't play with me. Don't play with me. I can't take it. This is what I want more than anything else in the world, and if you're not really going to give it to me. Please just, just let it go. I've come to terms with the fact that I'm not going to have this desire in my heart. He said, No. This time make sure you'll have a son. And she did. God gave her a son. Well, he grew up. You know, we can talk about this part of the story. But if you read a little bit later on in the passage, he grew up a little bit and became a young child. And one day was stricken with a disease and died. Are you kidding me? The promise that God had given her, she begged, Lord, don't play with me. All wants want us a son. He gives her a son, the kid dies. What does she do? She takes her dead son up to Elisha's room and lays him on his bed. Lays that boy on his bed, and she believes that God will make a way. Now, because of their relationship, Elisha hears about this. And through a series of events, he ends up showing up back at the house. And he's told, the little boy's dead. There's nothing to be done he's dead. And Elisha says, yeah, we'll see and he does something that's true to form for Elisha. He goes up to the room and lays on top of the kid. It kind of, if you read it in the text, it kind of sounds like he's giving a mouth-to-mouth resuscitation. He lays on top of the kid. Nothing happens. He gets up, walks around, paces around, trying to figure out what to do. A little while later, he goes back and lays on top of the kid again. And within a few minutes, the kid's up and walking around. Elisha, by the power of God, raised that kid from the dead. Through this woman's relationship with Elisha and with God, not only does she see her miracle come to pass, she also sees her miracle reborn. Because in those relationships, she learns faithfulness. Relationships that make a difference don't just happen on Sunday morning, but are also in the smaller more personal gatherings that happen throughout the week. Some people gather for prayer, some for Bible study, some for learning about specific topics, some for fellowship, and some to pursue interests and hobbies. There are two two guys that I that I have felt like the Lord has asked me to hang out with, them, to meet with. Them. I meet with them every week. I meet with one on Wednesday, he's a teenager. I meet with one on Thursday, and he's an adult. And as often as I can, we hang out because I believe the Lord has, has told me to mentor them, and we've had a great time. And, you know, mentoring sounds like such a heavy word. You know, we're sitting around digging deep into their, you know, most of the time we just talk and hang out and just have fun. That doesn't matter. What matters is the relationship. What matters is that, you know, these guys may have had had a need to learn from me or to hang around. You know, I don't know what I have to give. It doesn't really matter. But what I've found out is that I've learned as much or more than they could ever learn from me. Because my perspective changes. You want your perspective to change? Hang out with a teenager. If you don't have one, trust me on this. Hang out with a teenager. Some of you have kids that are about to be teenagers. and Watch out. Your perspective's going to change. My seven-year-old thinks she's a teenager already. I don't even know what we're going to do when she actually is one. But whether or not your hanging out time appears to be overtly spiritual or just hanging out time, just fun times. It's all part of the process that God uses to knit us together, to put us together in relationship. It is as important today to be assembled with the rest of the body as it has ever been. Do not forsake it. Encourage others to do the same. Now, I'm glad you're here. I'm really glad that you're here. Do you know that our average attender Average attender, and I'm not talking about me because I'm here pretty much every week. Our average attender comes to church one and a half times a month. One and a half times a month. No, I'm not fussing at you for that because I'm glad you're here. And this may be your one time, so you will have to teach your half times some other time. But we're glad you're here. But if we could get that up to two or three or four times a month, we would see this city change. Because the fire and the power and the passion that comes from when we're together, it can't be matched. And we see the work of the Lord. We have seen people healed in these altars. Amen? Some of you have been healed in these altars. We have seen situations that were beyond hopeless changed dramatically by the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, you know, it might not have happened if we hadn't come together. Now, I'm not fussing at you. I just like to hang out with you. One of the things that I'm most excited about, about going to DM Williams, yeah, it's on Battlefield Boulevard, it's great exposure, it's easy to help come, and I'm believing that you're going to invite people to come, because you can say, look, it's right across the street from Hardee's, you know where Hardee's is on Battlefield, We got a bunch of wood chicks right after this, right next door. What I'm most excited about is that the auditorium is about the size of this section right here. The whole thing. Now, you may say, oh, oh, wow, are we downsizing? You better believe we are. <laughs> Not because we're trying to punish or we don't want to grow or, or we need to, but because I want to be close to you. I want you to be close to me. I want you to be close to your brothers and sisters in Christ. Because when we worship together and we're close together, Amen. the Holy Spirit moves in ways like we've never seen. You know, I, Some of you could <laughs> have asked why we put the, the caution tape in the back and block off the seating back there. Well, you see how spread out we are right now. Right the, this auditorium holds 608 people, and right now we've got probably 200 seats blocked up. And look how spread out we are. But when we come together, when we made that change and brought everybody forward a little bit, the level of our worship shot through the roof. Because you can hear people singing around you. And when you hear people singing around you, and you get to witness and be a part of that relationship that they have with God. It inspires you to strengthen that relationship with God yourself and this relationship as well. I can't tell you over the last few weeks how many times I've had people say, can we have more time to greet people when we come in the morning?" I love that. I love going around shaking these hands and patting them on the back and saying good morning. And my response is, come earlier. <laughs> But we've done that, and you guys love it, and I love it. And you know, it's all about relationship. I want to hang out with you. Encourage others to do the same. If there are people that aren't here today that should be, that you know aren't here because it's it's not one of their one and a half and one, reach out to them. Say, you know, I'll see you next week. I'll sit with you next week. Because it was my one time this month, but I'm going to go next to you, and I'm going to handle it. But what am I talking about here? Yeah, I'm talking about small groups, and this is a shameless plug. I admit it willingly. I'm trying to get you in small groups. We are currently enrolling small groups for our spring semester, and I'm going to talk about those specifics in just a few minutes. However, if you think I'm fully bringing this up to pad our small group numbers, well, you have kind of Come on, that was funny. Seriously, I'm not doing that. I believe wholeheartedly with everything that is within inside me that Christ followers are not called to be loners. We are not called to walk this journey of faith by ourselves. Too often that's the case. Too often too many Christ followers are loners. And they couch that when I'm just shy, I'm introverted, and I really don't like people. That's a good one. But what happens is they are accountable to no one. And they hold no one else accountable. And you know what happens? They are so much more likely to fail than anybody else. How many soldiers we got here? Veterans, warriors. Thank you for your service. First of all, now you all know that one of the key and most important, one of the most important things that you learned in Warfare 101 is that a victorious battle is one in which you trust your comrades. Amen? Live together or die alone, right? No person in their right mind would go into war by themselves. Make no mistake about it, friends. We are at war. The enemy is real, and he wants you. He's going to come after you with everything that he's got. And we need people standing shoulder to shoulder with us if we're going to win the battle. Man, you're quiet. I want people who will stand beside me. Not behind me, but beside me. I have no need or desire to be up front. What I'm doing right now is the least comfortable thing I do in my entire life. I would much rather be standing shoulder to shoulder with you, serving people who need food. I would much rather be standing shoulder to shoulder with you, making a difference in the lives of women who have unexpected pregnancies, and they've chosen to keep their babies and afford them. I would rather stand shoulder to shoulder with you witnessing the people who don't know Jesus. Being that embodiment of the body of Christ with you. I want people who will stand beside me or take refuge in the foxhole with me because the Bible is real. And if we're going to win, we're going to win together. But there are even better reasons to live in a relationship. We need people to grieve with. We need people to celebrate with. I mean, we got a brand new bundle of joy right down here on the front row. Baby Shay is a miracle of God, and he's... He think. We need to celebrate that. This is a life that God has given us. This little kid right here is the embodiment of Jesus Christ. We need people to celebrate with. We need people to love. We need people to have fun with. You know, I was hanging out I've been hanging out recently with this guy in our church, and, you know, he's kind of shy. But golly, he's the funniest guy I've ever met. I'm sitting here talking to him, and he's cracking me up, and I'm laughing, and my belly's hurting, and I'm tears going down my face, and I'm thinking, what in the world happened to this guy? He's not that funny. <laughs> but he is. But I took the time to get to know him. And my life is better for it. Because I got to laugh a whole lot So we talked about relationships What do we do? What does that mean? What can you take home today And do differently That will enhance your relationships? Well let's go back to the beginning Of this sermon Not Genesis The beginning of this sermon 2 Kings 6, 15-17 Early in the morning A servant of the holy man got up Again the holy man was, Isaac, was Elisha Got up and went out. Surprise! horses and chariots surrounding the city. The young man exclaimed, exclaimed Oh, master, what shall we do? Elisha said, Don't worry. There are more on our side than on their side. And then Elisha did something else. He leaned on his relationship with God. And he said, Oh, God, open his eyes and let me see. The, eye, the eyes of the young man were open, and he saw a wonder. The whole mountainside full of horses and chariots of fire surrounding Elisha. Now, last night, well actually this morning about 12:30, I was reading that scripture. And I just kind of closed my eyes and thought about looking out over the mountains and seeing chariots and horses of fire. I don't I don't I might have to change my clothes. That's an amazing sight. But you see, Chef knew a battle was coming. He knew that these people were out to get him. The enemy was real, and the enemy intended to do him harm. What was his response? He surrounded himself with others. After all, where did the intendant come from? Elisha had his own posse. He surrounded himself with others who stood alongside him and he had unwavering faith that God was with them and that God would deliver him. Then, why did he believe this? Because God's previous behavior was a great predictor Of his future behavior. And God showed over and over and over again. Through relationship. His relationship with us. And his inspired relationships with others. That he would be faithful. So what was God's response? God surrounded this small group. Of people. With horses and chariots of fire. You see, by ourselves, we are weak. We cannot fight for that. With others, we have others around us, we're a bit stronger. When you've got the gates of hell, the gates of hell coming against you, even with your small band of brothers and sisters, you still might not win. Actually, you probably won't. So what happens? When we are faithful in our relationships with others, When we surround ourselves and stand shoulder to shoulder with men and women who are willing to fight that battle, God adds his resources to ours. And he makes the difference. But he does it all in relationship. We have to take that step. First, we have to take that step to have this relationship. Relationship with God. And then we have to follow his lead and have relationship with others. I know that I've told you many, many times before that God has graced me with a group of guys that I make war with on a regular basis. I don't mean I fight with them, although Josh and I do fight a lot. Just kidding. Y'all are starting to laugh at me today. Jeez. Maybe my jokes are just that bad. I make war with these guys on a regular basis. I believe in this deeply. If you spend any time with me whatsoever... You're going to hear me talk about You're going to hear me ask What small group are you in? If you're struggling If you're struggling I'm going to ask you Who are you surrounding yourself with? Who are you surrounding yourself with To help you fight the battle? When your mind is being overtaken By images and things that it shouldn't be When the enemy's trying to convince you That your husband's not good enough That he's never going to change or the enemy's trying to convince you that your wife is never going to live up to your expectations. Or that you're never going to be out of this financial situation. You're never going to live up to the potential that you have. It doesn't matter what God sold you. You're just not good enough. You never have been. Who do you have whispering in this ear when the enemy's whispering in this ear? You know, I have visions of the, world, you know, the devil on the side, the angel on the side. Well, these guys that I surround myself with, they're the little angels on this side. And when I begin to whine and complain and whine and complain, they hold my feet to the fire. And they say, enough. You do no service to the name of Jesus Christ when you diminish his power to cause victory in your life. And I'm like, oh, I can't I just wallow in my misery for a minute? No. You cannot. You have a wife who loves you. You have children who adore you. You have a church family who supports you. What in the world are you complaining about? Ouch. I don't like that. But they're right. And you know what? I do the same thing to them. I do the same thing to them. Because they, you know, I, I might want to complain. But dear Lord, they do too. <laughs> I had a conversation last Sunday with, with a young man who has had his share of difficulties over the last couple of years, who is growing up and trying to figure out what to do and making decisions and trying to make better decisions. And he said to me, you know why I like this church? And I said, why? I was like, this tall. And I'm like, why? And he said, because when I come here, you don't spoon feed me. Sometimes you actually knock me inside the, the head. I'm like, yeah, I'm not sure I want that image. I'm not sure. He's like, well, that's too bad. But you know what? You care about us enough to tell us the truth. That that comes in relationship. You see, I'm not going if, if I don't know you, if we haven't broken bread together, if you haven't hung out with my wife or my kids or you know done something else to get in get into my life. To speak into my life I'm not going to trust you with big things yet I'm just not Because you see, inevitably what happens When we open ourselves up to relationship We open ourselves up to hurt Many of us have been hurt I've been decimated by relationship I've been decimated by relationship But what I've discovered Is that even though When I open myself up to relationship I open myself up to hurt it is so worth it. After all, again, Jesus is our model. Talk about opening himself up to hurt. He was betrayed by the people closest to him. He was savagely and beaten and tortured for stuff he didn't even do. It's kind of hard for me to complain when I think about it that way. I'm blessed to have a group the guys who speak into my life. I'm blessed to have to have the opportunity that you trust me with to speak into your life. And I don't take that for granted. The responsibility of that is great. Hence why I was up at 1230 this morning and later. You know, I'm blessed with a wife with whom I have a great relationship. She is my best friend, my strictest confidant. She's committed. Unconditionally supportive And appropriately confrontational (laughs) Did I say that right? (laughs) You know what? She doesn't let me get away with anything And I remember when we were dating I remember even before we were dating I said, Lord, you know I'm about to really open up um, I tend to be a manipulative person. I learned it honestly. I tend to be manipulative and negative. And if, if you give me a spouse who is just going to be weak and just give in to whatever I say because I'm pretty strong-willed, if you hang around me, you're going I mean, I'll tell you what I think. Yes. Hopefully I'll stop and breathe first and maybe say a prayer and say it nicely. <laughs> but I'll probably tell you what I think. I learned very quickly with Kelly. I could do that once. She's going to fire back as hard as I do And you know what, that's what I needed God knew what I needed Because so she didn't let me get away with anything And our relationship is stronger because of it And our kids are better because of it Our kids are learning What moms and dads relationship really is And the strength You know, we can fight Nobody can fight like me in my life But we love each other And we are intent And we show our children how much we love each other far more than we ever showed them how much we disagree with each other. Relationship. I'm going to ask the man to go ahead and start their way back up. Jesus modeled this for us. As with everything else, we go right back to Jesus. If we're in the church, all things point to Jesus, and we're not ashamed of that. Jesus had an inner circle. You know, we, many of us have learned in Sunday school and other places that it was the 12 disciples that kind of followed around He Jesus. Was, they were his prophecy. Well, that's true. There were 12 men. There were also at least that many women who followed around with Jesus every day. That This was his inner circle. These are men and women who live life every day with Jesus. And there's examples in Scripture over and over and over again of those kind of more intimate moments where Jesus is just hanging out with his friends. Those are the people that changed the world. They took the message of Jesus Christ that they had built on a relationship with him, and they are the foundation of the church. The Apostle Peter, one of the most flawed characters in Scripture, denied Jesus three times in the day he was being tortured. Jesus still used him to plant the church. And on the day of Pentecost, it was Peter who preached, and hundreds of people were saved. It was through relationship. Give and take, good and bad, mistakes and all, it was relationship. Jesus saw their weakness. Make no mistake about it, he saw their weakness. But he also recognized their potential. And that's what relationship is all about. And we are still reaping the rewards of that to this day. We are here today because these men and women spread out throughout the world and planted the church. You see, the Apostle Paul writing to churches in Romans, in, in Rome, in Rome, in Corinth, in Thessalonica, and all these other places. He's writing to these churches. Where did these churches come from? The vast majority of them came from a direct relationship with Jesus Christ, face to face. Relationship with Jesus Christ. And we are their spiritual descendants. Relationships can have a great impact. Not just on the individual, but on the body of Christ as well. So I ask what kind of real, true relationships do you have? Are they superficial? The time has passed to hide behind hurt introversion, shyness. you got to put yourself out there. Look, you can't expect to grow in your faith if you're trying to do it by yourself. You just can't expect it. It's not going to happen. Yeah, do I, do I want you in small groups? Yeah, I do. Do I want you serving on serving teams? Yeah, I do. Again, yeah, I, I, we need your help. Sure. But I also recognize that in those relationships, You are changed. Josh and I do this together. And we lead this church together. I am convinced beyond any shadow of any doubt that the reason why we are here and all the events that led up to us being here together are a direct result of relationship. And I believe that God has called us through that relationship to see this community shaken by the power of Holy Spirit. Relationships are really important. You gotta put yourself out there. After all, God took a risk with you. He knew your potential to hurt him. He knew your potential to disobey him. He still took a risk. And he's willing and desires to have a deeper personal relationship with. Vertical Church. We believe in connecting with others through relationships. It's one of our three statements of faith. We encounter God, we connect with others, and we engage our relationship. You hear about it all the time. It's central to who we are for a reason. I'm going to ask you to bow your head this morning. Close your eyes. Here is the reality: we all have relationships. We have family relationships, we have colleague relationships at work or school. We have friends that we've known for years and friends that we've known for weeks. Every person in this room has been hurt by relationships. However, allowing those hurts to keep you from the blessing that God has in other relationships is unfortunate and will paralyze you as you try to live in God's grace. I've been hurt. I've, been, I've, fought, I've told you about it many times. Some of you know a lot more about my story. If you want to know, I've been hurt. But my Lord, I've had joy. I've had the best times of my life just sitting around talking with my buddies or when Kelly and I are just hanging out with Friends of ours. Just living life together. Every Tuesday night, without fail, we have dinner with our best friends. We don't talk about church. we about course. We don't talk about church. Well, we miss we that We just live life together. Our kids play. We eat. We laugh. We watch TV. We just live life together. this is what I know. Many of you here are lonely. Many of you here are lonely. And you want to open yourself up to God and to others. And I believe this is your day. If you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, that is where you need to start. It is the greatest, most foundational relationship if you don't have it, he will meet you right now. And so while everybody has their heads bowed and their eyes closed, I'm going to give that opportunity. If there's someone here today who doesn't have that central, key, critical relationship with Jesus, I want you to raise your hand. Nobody's looking, just me, and I'm going to pray for you. Anyone here by your ex-spouse, by your parents. You've been hurt deeply. Many of you have hurt others deeply by poor and ridiculous choices that you've made. God wants to heal you. God wants to heal your heart. God wants to put relationships in your path that will change the direction of your life. If you're one of those, if you're one of those, if you're lonely, or if you've been hurt, or if you want to grow a relationship, step up and step out. You need relationship. I know. I get it. Yeah, I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you. Somebody just said, in their spirit, I don't I'm talking to you. Yeah, I'm talking to you. Whoever you are, I'm talking to you. God's got this. He is going to put people in your path that will change your trajectory. If you open your heart. If you open your heart. If you open your heart. Lay aside past pain and sorrow and grief. And trust that his faithfulness will see you through. He's got you. He hasn't let you go yet. And he won't. He is going to bring people into your life and give you a holy perspective. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today. We always appreciate hearing how God is moving in your life. We all have a story to tell, and we'd love to hear yours. Please visit VerticalChurch.tv